pick you up no i'm saying this part because <laughs> then i'll you'll it'll pick everything else up i didn't close the door so this goes up. Mm, it's fine cars are gonna drive by like they're race cars and it's probably a fucking fiat anyway the fiat the little like tiny fiat? toy car whatever <laughs> <laughs> they're terrible cars <laughs> anyway hi hi how's it going good how are you <laughs> well you know i'm here Hi. I'm alive. <laughs> hey, I'm happy you're alive. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yay. Somebody is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Aw, you got more Aww. people who are happy you're alive. Oh, Trust man. me. No, I know. <laughs> so how's life? Uh, life's good. Life's um, good. I'm, I came back from my vacation, so I'm feeling pretty You're fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling pretty amazing. I have um, five days off, but like, I don't feel recharged. <laughs> no, you've been dealing with a lot I came back to of... like insanity. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I'm good right now. I'm I'm in that phase of life where I'm like, I feel recharged. Uh, my cup is full. So I've been, you know, reaching out to a lot of my friends, checking in oh, with yeah. them and You're all, good. all that good stuff. But yeah, welcome to Difficult Danzels. <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm Kat. And yeah. What's this podcast about, Rachel? This podcast <laughs> is about... I don't know why we have to make it. You guys, I feel us. like we've had a lot. Like she's got coffee in her hand. I've got an this energy my, drink in my hand. This is my third coffee. This is my second energy drink. So here this we are. An episode. This is a podcast about badass and amazing and problematic women from history. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Welcome, welcome to the funhouse. Um, this will be a very fun episode. But before we get into it, um, my friend who I was staying with on my vacation. Hi, Mandy. Um, hi, Mandy. <laughs> Uh, she has recently gotten into like crystal jewelry making and other like stuff making, and she made you a Valentine's Day package. Yes, you have to bring her when she comes out. Whenever she comes out next, you have to take her to that gem shop. I will because that's that's. I also a have jewelry the, maker's wet dream. I also have um, that crystal shop literally right down the street for me. So yeah, Mandy, come out. <laughs> But here's your first present. Yes. We'll, we'll show pictures of this online. Rachel will remind me to show pictures of this <laughs> online because. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so beautiful. Ooh. So these are all rose quartz. So we got rose quartz like arm bracelets. I probably shouldn't do this on the infected arm, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, that made it sound like I've got a disease. Um, my cat bit me. So my arm is like mad. <laughs> your arm is still. Oh, man, yeah. I'm yeah. So yeah. Sorry. It's terrible. <laughs> Oh, I like it. They are beautiful rose quartz bracelets and a necklace that is, that is. It's um, got the tree of life. Twisted. And <laughs> oh God, <laughs> this will be fun to get out. I like it. Thank you, Mandy. That's beautiful. Okay. I want to do jewelry stuff. Mandy, teach us how to do this. <laughs> we, I, so apparently making the pendants is pretty easy. And then a lot of the stuff, I just chose cords for you. But here's yeah. the rest of your oh package. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. no, I told you. <laughs> you guys. I told you it was going to be like you went shopping. Yes. Oh, my God. I love crystal presents. This is amazing. <laughs> Have you ever seen those, like, those memes where it's like, 
um, people are like, you're hard to buy for. And it's just like, no, like, like Will Smith no, doing the, no, look. Give me pretty rock. <laughs> it's just like crystals and cat things. And holy shit. I told you. This is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very hyper. Oh my God. It's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. It's I a like moss it. agate. I love how it's like, not just a unicorn, but it's like an aggressive dragon looking unicorn. Yes. Like it's not like a, like a color me pink unicorn it's so like a, you, I, I will fight you and kill you unicorn you me and whitney all have unicorns yes. i have my little unicorn at home Those you got the big beautiful. one you oh, have the aggressive yeah. one yeah <laughs> i love that oh my god what is this Does that's that a, wand. a wand that is she made that you a wand amazing. you guys this is the wand with um what is this wings <laughs> and it's angel wings so that's quartz what is that so the wand I asked her because I was like I couldn't remember. It's clear quartz and green chalcedony. God bless. I don't you. know what that is, but <laughs> it's beautiful. I told her that what your intention was for the year was balance. So yes. everything that she made for you had that in mind. Mandy, this is amazing. You need to make money off of I this. I told her, oh my God, so the whole time. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If you were listening to this, you I know guys, this is like. Just skip ahead if you don't skip like. Skip ahead like awesome 10 minutes. Reveals but... <laughs> for other people. <laughs> so as she's showing me the jewelry and I, I sent you a picture of like my hoard that I came yes! with. Um, I was like, you need to monetize this. And she's yeah. like, no, I just like making it for my friends. And I was like, no, but like. Okay, but like, that's fine. Like, we'll take the beautiful jewelry. <laughs> so, but also. Um, she has a, so Kat has a dragon necklace. That's a rose quartz. I didn't wear it, but I have the twin to it. Yeah. We have bestie necklaces. These are pretty. I like the shape. The little like cylinder. Is this rose or clear? That's that's rose. rose. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah, this is amazing. And then this, oh, I need to get you a cord for your. I should probably not finish this energy drink because I'm like wired right now. (laughs) Good. (laughs) This is the perfect You guys, this is going to be a weird episode. Oh man, I would just like everyone to know that I have no idea who this episode is going to be on because um, I thought it was going to be on a certain person and Rachel was like, nope. And I'm like, oh God. So I had two full episodes written before this and I started on a third. (laughs) Oh my God. I love how like, so guys, I have an episode coming up like way, well, I thought way in the future, but like Rachel's getting crazy and already writing all the things. And now I'm like, oh God, my episode's tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, I got the moon ring. Yes. Love it. Yeah. How beautiful. That's my fat fingers hold on. I believe, is this selenite? I think these are selenite. I think so. It looks yeah. like it. Oh, damn. This is all like freaking blingy. Yes. We will have pictures. Yeah, guys. So, we will have pictures because this is all freaking gorgeous. Mandy made my fat sausage fingers. Sorry. <laughs> a triple goddess um, ring and then put the stones in. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at how blingy you That's are. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Awesome. Look, I'm one step closer to being a bog witch, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Oh my god, Mandy, this is amazing. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Mandy. I love you. Thanks, Rachel, for being the the, uh, messenger. I got (laughs) you more rings. I should have gotten down on one knee. You should have. Yeah. (laughs) I love how every ring that you get me, I always put it on the The ring finger. On the ring (laughs) finger, and then I'm like, well, now we're married again. (laughs) You know, that's how we do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just so you all know. We like freaking my whole family out and telling them we're married and oh <laughs> all yes the fun stuff. all the time. <laughs> Thor, I don't need kisses on my feet. Why? I mean, I regularly just <laughs> call you my podcasting sister wife now. Yeah, so. it's fine. <laughs> I like 
meet new people and i'm like yeah i gotta go hang out with my friend cat she's my sister wife they're like excuse me i want to go put this on my head (laughs) and now it's like a a, it's like a diadem yes guys i want to go put the dragon necklace on and my head is too fat for the thing so now it's just (laughs) an awesome dragon crown Yay. Oh, yes. I, I really like it took every mm. ounce of restraint I had not to steal your wand. Thank you for not stealing my beautiful <laughs> wand. I'm going to murder people with it. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, for legal reasons, she is joking. I was kidding. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> anyway, so. This is amazing. I'm just going to be like awkwardly <laughs> fondling my jewelry while you talk. That's fine. <laughs> so, hopping into the episode, um, first, I'm going to do a little minor correction corner. Uh oh. What'd you do? <laughs> So I was off on the episode numbers by like one. I said we were oh. on episode 50 like two episodes ago. Oh, yeah. This is episode so, 51, by the way. Yeah. So we we kind of messed up because we like numbered the episodes weird. Like I like, numbered them weird. I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to. It was me. Bus, but Hi, I'm, I'm the problem. The it's bus. me. I'm the problem. Yeah. No, we like we numbered one of the ep- like the end of the- one of the episodes wrong yeah and it just went downhill from there so I, that's we're all what, confused anytime cat writes an episode it like throws me off because i save all my episodes oh, in one spot it, like i'm blaming you five percent of the way and the rest is me <laughs> but anyway i love it you guys we've told you before and we will say it until we die this is an amateur podcast for reasons <laughs> You love it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, in case you haven't figured it out yet, the theme for the first half of 2023 is Crusader Women. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. I don't know who you're covering. You do, but you don't. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) So what we're going to learn is that these women tend to fall into two different categories as crafted by the male chroniclers of the era. Ew. (laughs) There were either the really, really good women or there were the really really bad women and when we say really really good we mean they have christian values and they act like lambs (laughs) the good women were the melisans of the era women who were capable of ruling but only if their fathers husbands and sons managed to die and leave them to fill the void they left behind until the next man in line for the throne came of age then they were expected to step aside these women embodied the virtues of a good medieval queen as well They were pious, chaste, dutiful, and more importantly, they were fortunate enough to produce heirs for their husbands. (laughs) Bonus points if the heir was a dude. (laughs) (laughs) So many things wrong with that. (laughs) The bad women were more scandalous and obstinate. They were women who were not content to color in the lines of the narrow character that had been created for them. They colored outside the lines or erased them altogether. I love how, like, the, the quote-unquote good women, like, they, even still, they kind of, like, find their way to, like, color just a little bit outside of the yeah. lines just to get back into the lines. Like, it's pretty great. <laughs> Basically, to be a good woman, you can, like, assert your independence, but then, like, uh, give a lot of money to the church and make a beautiful church out of it. Yeah, make a church that looks like boobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they have their colored outside the lines or they erase them all together and they dared to say i too can rule no extra appendage between my legs needed hell yeah they use that extra appendage that they cut off of someone else to like (laughs) scribble the line away (laughs) now our next difficult damsel falls into the second category and if you've been listening to our podcast from the start you may already know her our thing cut off so cat already knows her yeah now i know guys But drum roll, please. Drum roll. It's Eleanor Backwater. And then I was all confused because I was like, wait, we've already done her. And then Rachel was like, we're doing her again. 
we're doing her again, but we are focusing specifically on young Eleanor's life and her time in the Crusades. Hell yeah! We basically just glossed over that in episode, I think it was episode three. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you do. God, I wish you would have told me because then I would have listened to the episode to like prepare. I'm kind of glad you didn't though. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> then it'll be like hearing it all over again. Hell yes. <laughs> Two shout outs really quick. So my main source for this episode, I'm going to do it at the top of the episode this time because it's such a huge part of all of these episodes. It's an integral part of our episodes. It is the book Queens of Jerusalem, The Women Who Dared to Rule by Catherine Pinjonis. And the other shout out is to my friend Drizzy. <laughs> Not to be confused with Drizzy. <laughs> Made sure to enunciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> This episode will air a day after his birthday. Happy so. belated birthday. Happy birthday, Drizzy. Ooh, I don't know why I had to sing you a rock song birthday, <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> Eleanor of Aquitaine is his favorite difficult damsel. He uh, famously, like half of our listens come from him for that episode because he loves it so <laughs> Great. much. I just did like We appreciate you. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you are ready for a medieval quote. I Okay, I, I am now because I know the quote, but it's okay. I'll pretend surprise. Acting skills. Go, Richard. Eleanor is the eagle, for she spreads her wings over two nations, England and Aquitaine. Also, by reason of her excessive beauty, she destroyed or injured nations. I just love that. Like, that's pretty amazing. Guys, I was not ready the first time. Kind of wasn't ready the second time hearing that either. <laughs> Again, I want that on my tombstone. Yeah. My tombstone's going to need to be very large. Yeah. To fit We're going to need a all road of, of tombstone leading to the end-all, be-all tombstone where Rachel is laid to rest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's put quite the image in my head. So sorry. <laughs> I um so completely you have, like, random. A weird, like yellow brick road, but it's not yellow. Completely random tangent because I've been playing Assassin's Creed Origins, and you get yeah, to see the yeah. tomb of Alexander the Great. Okay. And I was like, ooh, this is a good tomb. Ooh. I would like this tomb. <laughs> is it like legit, like his tomb, like based off his real tomb? Yeah. Okay, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I it's don't like know if, a hidden tomb. or I don't know if it got destroyed. It probably got destroyed, but based on accounts, yeah. So it's like under the temple that was dedicated to Alexander the Great. And he's in this like clear open case. And then there's all of these like Roman statues yeah. or Greek lining the wall. <laughs> and then like all of these um, brasiers, brasiers. Sure. Braziers. Sure. Brazers. Oh, brazers. Brazers. <laughs> yeah. That. Like the fire thing. Yes. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. <laughs> and then there's it. like all of these paintings and frescoes around. Anyway, I'm doing little finger She's things. doing jazz hands right now. And it's amazing. <laughs> Back to our episode though. So Eleanor of Aquitaine was born sometime in 1122 or 1124, depending on the source you read. Um, we don't have an exact birthday because the men of the period did not think it was necessary to record a woman's day of birth. So <laughs> her mother was named Anor, and thus her name loosely translates to the other Anor. That's absolutely terrible. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you already take so much away from women in this time period, and now you're like, okay, like, ugh. I mean, it's almost the same as being like, you're Henry the First, you're Henry the Second. None of you have an identity. Or, or Francis died and oh my God, you yeah. were born again. You are the brother of Francis who already died. So we're going to give you the name Francis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, so I don't, okay, I'm not an identity. Like, I've just, okay, cool. I'm a ghost. 
Eleanor was born in the Duchy of Aquitaine in southern France during a time when the duchy was not directly ruled by the ruling Capetian kings in Paris. During this era of history, the influence Paris had over Aquitaine depended entirely on the strength of character of the king in power and the Duke of Aquitaine. As Eleanor was the eldest daughter born to the Duke of Aquitaine, Eleanor was considered her father's heir presumptive to the duchy. She did have a brother at one point, um, but he died around the age of eight. That's unfortunate for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she apparently also had an illegitimate brother named William. Oh, I mean, I think everybody yeah. has an illegitimate something or another because kings can't keep it in their pants. Especially Eleanor's family, as yeah. we're going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> but being the presumptive heiress to Aquitaine was kind of a big deal. Aquitaine was the largest and richest duchy in all of France. Just to give you an idea of how big it was, it takes up about a third of France in total. Damn. Yeah. It's aggressive. When Eleanor was born, her family was a formidable force and Paris had little influence over the duchy. And her family was also quite the family. Oh, no. Let me see if you remember this, because I did mention it. it. Girl, that was two years ago. I barely remember yesterday. <laughs> so let's, let's try it. <laughs> So Eleanor would go on to gain notoriety in history for being obstinate, flirtatious, and duplicitous. She would earn the moniker of the scandal of Europe. We're going to discuss that in this episode. All you have to do is bat your eyelashes <laughs> at the wrong fucking theologian, and then you're that scandal. But as it turned out, scandal was a legacy of her family. <laughs> okay. her, her grandfather had been William IX of Aquitaine, famous as much for his involvement in the First Crusade as he was for his poetry and propensity for seduction and philandering. <laughs> I love... I just, uh, anyway. Oh, we're not done. Okay, just, I just... know. I just... It drives me crazy every time when they're, like, <laughs> applauded for being philanderers and then, like, somebody... A well, woman bats her eyes. Okay, so, bats her eyes at the wrong person and she's got her head chopped off. So let's give it up for Eleanor's grandmother... Philippa of Toulouse because she decided to leave her grandfather after she had done her duty by providing him some heirs. <laughs> She's like, peace out, bitch. I hate She's you. like, I gave you children. I'm out. I'm going to go have fun now. <laughs> Here's where it gets fun. So if William lamented his wife leaving him, he did not do so for very long because almost immediately after she left him, William brought his own mistress into his home. I was going to say, I feel like she left him because he had a mistress and she was like, you know what? I've given you what you needed. I'm going to leave now. His already married mistress. What? Yeah. Dude, you can't. Wow. That, I mean, even that is a bit aggressive. Jesus. So according, according to one of the stories, Eleanor's grandfather also included a bare-breasted image of his mistress on the shield he rode to battle Please with. fucking stop it. Like, put your boobs away. <laughs> God. Oh my uh, god, I can't. I can't with this whole thing. Eleanor had larger than life shoes to fill relating to salacious tales and drama, and she would more than exceed them before she was done making her mark on the She's world. She's like, hold my fucking <laughs> She's beer. like, hold my beer? Hold it. I can ride into battle bare-breasted myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when Eleanor's father died unexpectedly while on pilgrimage... It was probably from, like, syphilis. Probably. <laughs> Eleanor suddenly became the Duchess of Aquitaine at just 13 years old. She's always to do a better job than this asshole. The wealth of Aquitaine was renowned around Europe, with its primary exports being salt and wine. When you hear of the luxurious splendor and fertility of the south of France, with its vineyards and its beautiful landscapes, you're basically hearing about Aquitaine. Okay, I'm going to re um, rephrase my earlier statement. It's not hold my beer, it's hold my wine. <laughs> Apparently. Well, fair, fair, <laughs> yes. 
Eleanor was now its ruler, and at 13, she was suddenly the wealthiest heiress in all of Europe, and thus its most coveted bachelorette. Damn, because she's exquisitely beautiful and can spread her eagle wings and destroy empires. At 13. At 13. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can be exquisitely beautiful at 13. It's an awkward time for women, but it's fine. <laughs> Predictably, Eleanor does not remain a bachelorette for very long. Ugh. She is old because she hasn't been married at four. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this fucking spinster over here. <laughs> As the story goes, Eleanor's father drafted a will that bequeathed her with the duchy and all its titles immediately in the event of his death. Such a weird word. Bequeathed. I couldn't think of another word. I bequeath you this. So that's the word we have. (laughs) So basically what you need to know about this time period is that it's not uncommon for like young daughters who inherit um, their titles and lands from their fathers who die to basically be stolen and kidnapped by people who want their land. That is absolutely atrocious. So Eleanor, like, I know that that's a yeah. thing, but like, ew. Well, Eleanor's father knew that, so he made sure to have a will put in place yes. so that would not happen to her. Ladies but, and gentlemen, oh no. But Never don't mind. get too excited. Never mind. We're back. I forgot what podcast this is. Like, as Eleanor is a girl, she needs a guardian. Oh, stop. So her father named King Louis VI of France as her guardian. Okay. You want to know what King Louis's moniker was? Do I do I want to, Rachel? Do they, I want to? They called him King Louis the Fat. That's rude. <laughs> I feel offended. Like, I am offended for him. There's, like, Philip the Fair and then there's Louis the Fat. I mean. Like, rude. Yeah. You're like, excuse me. At least call me fluffy. <laughs> now, King Louis VI was all too happy to oblige. Because as it just so happened, his son and heir, also named Louis, was in need of a wife. Stop it. (laughs) On all counts. (laughs) And so almost immediately after Eleanor gets news of her father's death, she also finds out, um, oh, by the way, you're betrothed. But it's okay because it's to the Prince of France. It's it's to the Dauphin. Is it okay? (laughs) Let me more. I mean, that's like normal because you know the king isn't even dead yet and everyone's like nefariously planning (laughs) nefariously i love that word (laughs) now on paper this was the perfect match louis was of an age with eleanor only being two years older than her i mean look at her she's so lucky he's only two years older (laughs) he also had the power of the capetian army at his beck and call and would be able to secure eleanor's inheritance of aquitaine should anyone come along to try and claim it from the teenage girl? I just love, he's got armies and he's 16. <laughs> like, on a more personal level. Did I do level, that math right? 15, 16? Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I don't math. I write, it's known. <laughs> on a more personal level, Eleanor was also excessively beautiful. And what man would begrudge having such a beautiful ornament attached to his coat sleeves? Again, women cannot be that pretty at 13. <laughs> like... <laughs> Unless they blossomed early. Hey, Eleanor would be queen of France. So again, what could possibly go wrong here? All the things, Rachel, as we know, if we remember episode like three. (laughs) So in actuality, some of the things that seemed to speak of this being the perfect match would end up being the very things that made it the most spectacular of mismatches. Oh, good. (laughs) So not only was Eleanor beautiful, but she was also extremely well-educated. Because as it turned out, Eleanor's father was one of those kinds of fathers that believed his daughter should receive the same education as a son might receive. You guys, all parents need to do this. Treat your children equally. <laughs> your daughters are better anyway. 
So Eleanor was well-versed in arithmetic, astronomy, and history. So she could have done the math better than me just now. (laughs) (laughs) She read and spoke Latin fluently, enjoyed singing, dancing, and all the traditional feminine skills of embroidery, needlepoint, weaving, singing, and playing the harpsichord. Just like, out of all of those, what is, like, what helps you out in life? Like, honestly. (laughs) She also enjoyed the more masculine pursuits of chess, writing, hunting, and hawking. So to put it plainly, Eleanor is a bit of an overachiever. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so she's she's smart, ambitious, and she's beautiful. And the best part of it all, she knew it. She is a demon spawn of Satan <laughs> and must be destroyed immediately by the church. Now, Prince Louis, conversely, came from the stuffy court of Paris and was known for being especially pious. He was initially born as a second son and destined for the priesthood until a tragic riding accident claimed the life of his older brother and bumped him up in the line of succession. I remember that. (laughs) Eleanor would famously go on to complain that her husband was more of a monk than a husband. (laughs) Uh, But I'm getting a little ahead of our story here. (laughs) You starting to remember now? Kind of, sort of, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, three months after her father died, Likely while she was still nursing a grieving heart, Eleanor found herself standing in the cathedral of Bordeaux next to her future monk husband. Ew. <laughs> I can just imagine she's just like looking him up and down like, God fucking damn. Like- <laughs> <laughs> but Eleanor has enough of a leg to stand on for herself that she basically says, I will marry you. But Aquitaine stays mine. Oh, yeah. It does not get folded into France until I give you a son. And when he becomes the king of France, he'll also become. (laughs) Exactly. It'll fold Aquitaine into France. So not many women can, like, make that stipulation. But Eleanor could. Good job, Eleanor. Yeah. Good job, Eleanor. You've done great. (laughs) Eleanor and Prince Louis were thus officially enthroned as the Duchess and Duke of Aquitaine. But those titles would change in just five short days. Because oh, no. <laughs> almost immediately after they were married, Louis received news that his father had died. Rip. Guess what he died of? Uh, dis- dysentery. Dysentery. He yeah, died was, of like, dysentery. Distemper or something else. I can't remember. <laughs> Don't of... drink the goddamn water. No, no, there, there's dead bodies in there. Like, it's not good for you. <laughs> Just gonna put my water down. If we ever do open like a merch shop, we need that like on a shirt. Like, yeah. don't drink the water. There's dead bodies. There's in bodies. <laughs> and just like that, Eleanor went from being the Duchess of Aquitaine to the Queen of France. <laughs> she is just 15 years old. Oh my god. She's like, hey, I don't know what's going on. What were you doing at 15? Not much. I was being a little shit, probably. <laughs> you weren't rolling. Rolling. <laughs> You weren't no. ruling entire kingdoms? No, unless you count my nasty, dirty-ass bedroom as a kingdom that I was ruling I mean, that. it's your kingdom, right? <laughs> yeah, it was my kingdom because it was messy all the time. Even though my parents were like, can you please clean this? Oh, man. <laughs> Given the proximity of Aquitaine and Paris, you'd think there would be little adjustment needed on Eleanor's part when it came to acclimating to the new court life in Paris. But as it turned out, the two were significantly different culturally. So the first major difference is uh, the language is actually completely different in Aquitaine and they Paris. They, they spoke two completely different what? languages. What? Like like or, different languages or different dialects of French? Uh, enough that it'll be a problem later. All right. <laughs> so just keep that in the back <laughs> okay. of your mind. 
Aquitaine was a duchy of sprawling hills and vineyards. Eleanor grew up in an environment of courtly love that celebrated open flirtations, dancing, and banquets. Paris was a sprawling city a thousand plus years old already at this point. Its streets were famously narrow and dirty, and its court was cold and pious. I was going to say, isn't the dancing and the general joy, like, problematic later on for her? Yeah. She has her dancing witches or whatever. What were they called? Oh, I think you're thinking of Catherine the Medici. Son of a bitch. But I'm sure Eleanor. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, in other words, Paris is kind of square and dull. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And especially for a woman like Eleanor, who's used to being vivacious and just like she's like what? full of life. Who died? Like she gets the course, like who the fuck died? Like why are we so quiet? They're like the king did actually. <laughs> like oh. <Look. laughs> Another important difference. So although it's not official at this point, France observes the Salic law. So what that means? That sounds terrible already. So what that means is that within the line of succession for the throne of France. Women cannot inherit. They're completely barred from the line of succession. Fuck you, France. (laughs) But all of the duchies and the counties around Paris, they do not observe that tradition. So you actually have women who become incredibly powerful duchesses and countesses and, like, legitimately rule their domains. Much to the chagrin of France. Well, so... (laughs) Basically, Eleanor is coming from an area where she's grown up to believe I'm actually entitled to rule. Yeah. And the people well, there. She was literally educated and trained yeah. to be powerful as fuck. And when she gets to Paris, <laughs> it's basically like women don't rule here. They don't, we don't have do a voice. that here. We, yeah. don't, we don't do that you here. You need to just she's sit. Like, the fuck we don't. You need to just sit in a corner and you need to knit and be quiet. She's like, I'm going to use this needle <laughs> to show you how I knit. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in many ways, she actually had more power as a duchess than she did as the queen of France. That is really terrible. Eleanor immediately felt like a fish out of water. And the only remnant of home she had with her was her younger sister, Petronilla. Isn't that a scent? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It just sounds like it should be a scent. Sorry if your name's Petronilla. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt anyone listening to this is named Petronilla. I mean, they might be. You never know. (laughs) They might want to bring that name back. (laughs) No one knows why, but they might want to. Now, scandal followed Eleanor wherever she went, and one of the first instances of scandal came in the form of her younger sister, Petronilla. It started simply and innocently enough. Petronilla was in love, and she wished to be married. That's never good. She's probably, like, 14 as well. Okay, you can't be in love at 14. Calm down. (laughs) There's just one problem here. No, no. The lucky object of Petronilla's affections happened to be the king's cousin, Raoul, the Count of Vermandois, and the Seneschal of France. I need you to say Raoul. I need you to say Raoul. I can't. I don't. I can't. We've already discussed this. Um, And I'll I'll just say it for you after every time you say it. (laughs) On top of this, uh, he's already married. Okay. No. Okay. That is a big kicker. Why? Just What's the problem? Look, men are allowed to apparently have mistresses that are married, but women cannot do it. beautiful 14-year-old girl that's in love with him and he wants to marry her. Okay, now you've just created an entirely different (laughs) wrongness to this. Like, it's a whole new level of ew. She might be 16 at this point. It's still gonna be ew. I mean, I know that that's like spinster age in this time, but like, ew. (laughs) Now, perhaps the scandal could have been avoided if Petronilla contented herself to just being Raoul's mistress. But thanks to the intervention of Eleanor, Raoul was soon convinced to set aside his first wife so that he could marry Petronilla. Uh-oh. 
This turned out to be a huge problem because Raoul's wife was Eleanor of Blois. Blah. Ew, stupid. <laughs> She's his sister. Well, that's problematic because he clearly is not a petulant <laughs> child who throws tantrums when things go wrong. So, yeah, if this name sounds familiar, it should. She was a scion of the Blois family, Blah. meaning she was the sister of Stephen of Blois. He's famously our nemesis here on Difficult Damsels. He is the Difficult Damsel nemesis numero uno. (laughs) (laughs) And more importantly for our current story, she is the sister of Theobald II, the Count of Champagne. 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 (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong? No idea. We've had way too much caffeine. (laughs) And Theobald was basically one of the biggest rivals to King Louis VII. No, you don't need to give that man more, more ammunition to hate you. Yeah, well, he did. There it is. (laughs) So, setting aside Eleanor of Blah (laughs) for Eleanor of Aquitaine's little sister was not going to be easy. In fact, it was going to start a war. Maybe let's not do it then. I don't know. It just (laughs) seems like something you should do. Now, predictably, the House of Blois was unhappy. And so was the Pope. Because you can't just divorce your wife when a pretty 16-year-old girl comes along. Uh, Maybe you should ask Henry the fucking eighth if you can or cannot do that. (laughs) Now, predictably, Raoul and Petronilla were excommunicated by the Pope. Um, This basically means they were kicked out of the church. I feel like people would cheer that. uh, Sorry. (laughs) Now, like, do you mean it? <laughs> to make a very long story short, Louis and Theobald entered into a duck measuring contest that <laughs> resulted in the invasion of Theobald's county of Champagne. Oops. Champagne, whatever. <laughs> county of that drink that is um, delicious and bubbly. <laughs> this is where it gets not so great. So uh, no. <laughs> lots of towns burned and lots of peasants who had nothing to do with this domestic dispute were put to the well, sword. Well, of course, because it wouldn't be a royal domestic dispute if other people didn't suffer the consequences of this ridiculousness. The culmination of these events led to what history remembers as the Massacre of Vitry. I'm sorry, but any time a domestic dispute turns into the, it being named the Massacre of anything, you are the problem. I'm, very, I'm wondering if you're going to remember this. We talked about it in I've the original vaguely... episode. So. I mean, I don't know. We've been through several massacres so far. That's so. fair. And a lot of them <laughs> also in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> France doesn't have a good track record. No. So Louis VII had been present with the royal army when they rode into the town and started burning everything. The citizens of Vitry fled the swords, lances, and horses of the king's army and barricaded themselves in the local church, believing mm. they would be safe from the carnage. Yeah, I feel like I remember this because I was already mad about them burning unrelated people's stuff down and then it just gets worse from there. Yeah, somewhere along the way, the church caught fire. Yeah, oops. And everyone burned alive inside. God, that is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, nobody knows if one of the soldiers set the church on fire deliberately or if it was an accident. I'm pretty sure it was a deliberate accident. I'm pretty sure they were <laughs> deliberate so... accident. Yeah, yeah. You will <laughs> this this will make sense. I'm pretty sure they were so involved and like caught up in what they were doing that yeah, carnage the and the war. Yeah, and just yeah. like so battle frenzy. Yeah, exactly. Frenzied that they did it and then they were just like shit, but like, also oops. this works. Like at the end of the day, 1,000 people died that is in that true. church in the most horrific of ways possible. And let me guess, Rachel, no one gets in trouble for it. Having been present during the massacre, Louis VII would be forever haunted by the events of Vitry. 
it would remain <laughs> a terrible, gross mark against his reign, and it would go on to influence much of his later reign as he sought to find penance for the evil committed that day. Yes. Sought to find is he penance? Is probably not. No, he's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but it does influence the events of the rest of this episode. So, all right. Fortunately for Louis, penance was presented to him on a silver platter in the form of a crusade. <laughs> you guys, look, I know that we just did all this carnage and destruction, but look, we're going to solve it by doing some more carnage and some more destruction. Exactly. It'll work. It'll exactly. Work. I've learned my lesson from this other one. So this, this, is, <laughs> this is where we're going to start to, um, we're starting to be parallel with the last episode. Okay. Because this is when the county of Edessa falls oh. to Adebeg Zengi. Yes, yes. And then, as you'll recall, Queen Melisande sent her little virtual letter to Obi-Wan, <laughs> I mean the Pope. And she was like, Obi-Wan slash the Pope. You're our only hope. You're our only hope. Oh, no. <laughs> we rhymed. Oh, no. That's, a, that's so, never yeah. going to be a shirt because I will not condone it. <laughs> so Queen Melisande sends an envoy to Rome and is basically like, Yo, we just lost one of the Crusader states and we kind of need your help. We need some serious help. I'll build you a church that looks like Buju. I'll exactly. love it. <laughs> Send us your men and women. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure their boobs are out and flowing. <laughs> now, the fall of Edessa was famously brutal with Islamic commander Adabeg Zengi's forces sieging the city for several weeks before finding a weak point in the city's walls and breaking through. Latin Christians had famously been targeted in the onslaught that followed, and those that managed to flee the massacre became refugees in the kingdom of Jerusalem and survived to tell the tale that would rally Western Europe to launch the Second Crusade. And what better way for Louis to atone for the massacre committed in his own country, on his own orders, and under his own watch, than to reclaim a city in a foreign land against a group of people he had never met before. That sounds like a... It's perfect! Perfect. It's perfect, Kat. Perfectly ridiculous. <laughs> now, before Louis and Eleanor could officially turn their attention to the Second Crusade, they had to tie up a few loose ends back in France. First, they needed to get the excommunication of Raoul and Petronilla lifted in Rome. And to do so... <laughs> They're like, just... You're like, listen, before we can Look. go, like, do the whole crusade thing, like, we got to make sure my sister is yeah. good with the church. We need them <laughs> to come with us for reasons we can't un- actually explain. <laughs> <laughs> and to do so, they'd have to enlist the help of Christendom's most revered wordsmith and theologian of the time. Don't you fucking dare. Who is it? I don't remember his name, but I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> it's Bernard of Clairvois! <laughs> <laughs> so... This fame meeting um, between Eleanor and Bernard of Clairvois took place at the newly constructed Church of St. Denis, um, which today it still exists. It's this like beautiful church of Romanesque architecture. It's basically like it's a very clean design, but it's designed to draw the gaze of the viewer to the heavens. And it it predates (laughs) Gothic architecture. Oh, okay. Interesting. I just, I just love that in my mind, when you say they needed the help with Bernard, I'm like, Bernard's like excited that he has, he has, like, oh he doesn't have to give unsolicited He's advice. So He's excited. like, you want my help? Are you ready for this story? Uh, no, <laughs> not even oh. a little bit. Let's do it. <laughs> so when Eleanor and Bernard of Clairvois met face to face, it would have been a clashing of Titans. In Eleanor was the embodiment of everything flawed in a woman. She was wanton and decadent, 
outspoken and ambitious. How dare she? Eleanor also had zero regard for the dogma set down by the church as to what it meant to be a good queen and a good wife because she was not content to just meld into the background like furniture. Hell yes. So we obviously love her. (laughs) (laughs) In Bernard of Clairvoix was the embodiment of stuffy churchmen that Eleanor would grow to disdain. (laughs) He was self-righteous and narrow-minded, not to mention overreaching and grasping. So this is basically an era where you have the church and um, various kingdoms. They are in constant conflict over what jurisdiction the church has. In in the secular realm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And in many instances, they're like, we don't want you assigning your bishops in the area. Like, we want to pick our own. Yeah. Um, And she'll grow to hate that. And that'll be a thing in, like, you know, we're second husband. We cover that in episode three. Look, guys, why (laughs) don't you listen to, if you want to, go back and listen to episode three. (laughs) Now, when Bernard and Eleanor came face to face, it was two unstoppable forces colliding against one another for a common cause. I just imagine Eleanor's eyebrow just, like, completely to the roof. Just, like, like condescending as fuck. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She puts on a good show here. Oh, okay, okay. She knows what she's doing. But the eyebrow is probably still there. Yes, the and eyebrows. And the, like, pursing of the lips. I think, like, Glenn Close from, what's that movie? The one with Anne Hathaway and... Emma. Oh, uh, The Devil Wears Prada? Yeah. I imagine, like, that's Eleanor's face. I imagine <laughs> Eleanor, like, I don't think they had eyeliner in this period, but she totally has eyeliner, yeah. like... They um, had coal. She, it's totally, like, painted like a stiletto. Like, she could stab yes. you with her eyeliner. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> She could stab you with her <laughs> eyeliner. <laughs> now, the unrest sparked by the king's dispute with the Count of Champagne needed to be put to rest, and Louis's breach with the church needed to be repaired. Eleanor was said to have put on quite the show for Clairvois. She came to him as a wife contrite and anxious, playing upon a very real fear of hers that likely would have stroked the ego of a churchman such as Clairvois. So basically, Eleanor has yet to produce any children for Louis. Mm-hmm. And this is a very dangerous thing for oh, a queen. Dare she. Like, she can be set aside very easily. So she goes to Clairvoy and she's like, Please, Clairvoy, pray for me in my empty womb so that I may give a child to Louis. And in return, I'll, um, you know, I'll whisper in his ear and I'll tell him, like, hey, maybe you should make nice with the church and, like, you know, maybe <laughs> some of your policies should be a little more geared towards the church. Oh, dear. I think we can make a deal, Clairvoy. Ew. That's exactly how it went. (laughs) (laughs) And Clairvaux just came right there. (laughs) So Eleanor appearing as a penitent woman seeking counsel from the wise churchman did its job. And Clairvaux promised to pray for Louis and Eleanor to have a child together. In return, Eleanor would work her womanly wiles on her husband to convince him to see reason and um, manipulate him (laughs) into drafting... (laughs) New policies that were more aligned with the church's agenda. I love how the men folk are always for the womenly wiles when it helps them. Of course. But the second those womenly wiles are turned against them, oh dear. Well, guess what? Yes, what? Both of them delivered. Oh no. Ew. <laughs> Eleanor convinced her husband to make amends with Count Theobald and reconcile with the church. And thanks to Clairvaux's prayers. Stop it. Eleanor. Oh my God! You've just made Clairvaux a child. Head inflate. That's probably why. Nine he sent, months later. Stop it. That's probably I, why he sent the letters to Melisan. <laughs> He's like, "Look, I'm a fucking magician, okay? But like, I'm for a fertility God. church. I'm a magician a for God." <laughs> yeah. So she gives birth to a girl named oh, Mary. No wonder he sent unsolicited advice Supposedly to Melisan. Supposedly nine months later. Supposedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
sure she's like look i'm already pregnant i know i'm already pregnant so here we are not long after eleanor gave birth to mary is when bernard of clairvoy began making his tour around europe delivering passionate speeches to all who would listen of the infidel in the holy land usurping christian strongholds yep i remember this to whip the christians of the west i love how i say i remember this as if i was there (laughs) you guys know what i mean (laughs) I mean, you were there two weeks ago when yeah, I told it yeah, to you. Yeah, I was there two weeks ago, guys. <laughs> I was also there all these years ago because I, too, am a magician. Like, really, like 600 years ago or whatever yeah, yeah, it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I wasn't going to do the math because I knew that I would drop the ball on that one. <laughs> to whip the Christians of Western Europe into a frenzy of zealotry, Clairvoy told Europe that the fall of Edessa was specifically a punishment from God for their sins. But People fear are like, not. Oh, I don't fucking think hey, so. Hey, fear not. Christians have a way of redeeming themselves yeah, in God's go eyes. Yeah, let's go murderous fucking killing spree. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's fine. Yeah, they could erase their sins by expelling the heretical Muslim forces from the Holy Land. That's called blood magic? I'm just saying. I'm not making any of this up. Look, I'm just saying it's blood magic. He like, actually said that. That's disgusting. You want to hear it? No. Are you ready? I think you ready? I feel like we've already heard it. We haven't heard please. this part of the speech. Oh, no. There's okay, another part of the speech. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Let's all buckle up. Oh, ye Good who Lord. listen to me, hasten then to appease the anger of heaven, but no longer implore his goodness by vain complaints. Clothe not yourselves in sackcloth, but cover yourselves with your impenetrable bucklers. The din of arms, the dangers, the labors, the fatigues of war are the penances that God now imposes upon you. Hasten then to expiate your sins by victories over the infidels and let the deliverance of holy places be the reward of your repentance. Can you just imagine being in that crowd? And you're like, the fuck just happened? Oh, like, they went wild. Oh no, This was like a rock show for them. Yeah, we're going to get into it. <laughs> There's, there's more that happens. Must we get into this? <laughs> so, <clears throat> oh gosh, okay. <laughs> so Eleanor's husband didn't need any new excuses to be moved to action. His participation in the Second Crusade was likely guaranteed as he would never fully wash off the stain of the massacre of Vitry from his his skin. I'm just like, bro, you're in this mess because you killed people. But like, there's another side to this story. You fucking killed people. Let's not go do some more. Because as we know, <laughs> oh, God. it's almost always political. Of course it is. So, um, Louis and Eleanor both had family connections within the Crusader states. Great. This is another big reason they ended up going on this Naturally. crusade. <laughs> so, Louis's aunt was Constance of France, and she had been the first princess of Antioch after the first Crusaders took the city. And Eleanor's uncle. Oh, the uncle. Is it the uncle? It is the uncle. The uncle. Raymond of Poitiers was now the prince of Antioch. After he snatched Antioch from our girl, Alice. We are doing her next. Yes. <laughs> he basically, he shows up to Alice and he's like, Alice, I know you've been trying to take Antioch. I know you've been having issues, but girl, listen, I love you and I would like to marry you. Yeah, that's immediately a no. That's like a and hard she was like, yeah, no. that sounds great. Alice. And she started to make wedding re- preparations. And then. Stop it. He marries her daughter instead. Ew! Her, her eight-year-old daughter. Oh, God. No. Yeah. That's going to be fun to hear you say that in depth next time. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah. um, I know I've said it before. History is a soap opera. Yeah, it's not great. And men are trash. Men are <laughs> terrible, <laughs> obvious trash. <laughs> so remember the name Raymond of Poitier, because uh, we're going to come back to it. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> anyway. Super excited for that tale. <laughs> Louis was all too eager to go on crusade. Um, and here was the chance for him to find some glory and acclaim and add his list to the names of the kings of France that would be remembered as formidable battle-hardened men. And it was also the perfect opportunity to wash away his sins. What could possibly go wrong? All the things that I'm here for. It. <laughs> <laughs> now, before officially setting off on the crusade, Louis made a rather shocking announcement. He was going to bring Eleanor with him. Gasp. <laughs> now, William... Gasps in French. <laughs> William of Newburgh wrote the following of Louis' decision. Oh, no. Eleanor had, at first, so completely bewitched the young man's affections Calm the fuck down. by the beauty of her person that when, on the eve of setting out on that famous crusade, he felt himself so strongly attached to his youthful bride, he resolved not to leave her behind, but to take her with him to the Holy War. Many nobles, following his example, also took their wives with them. The wives are like, please don't. Who, unable to exit without female attendance, introduced a multitude of women into these Christian camps, which ought to have been chased, but which became a scandal to our army. Dear fucking God. <laughs> That's what they said. How <laughs> dare you bring your wives along? Probably. Her wives were like, we didn't want to come. Like, Probably without the expletives. No, they did. Uh, okay. Women also want glory. I mean, <laughs> they want. we want our names in the history books. Cat. <laughs> So this was the first time large numbers of women traveled on military campaign with their husbands to the Holy Lands. And naturally, many people cited Eleanor as the inspiration for this unnatural scene of women traveling on campaign. Eleanor's like, look, Louis would die if I didn't come with it's him. true. I'm doing you all a fucking favor by keeping your king alive. You're welcome. But there were some very real dangers that came with women traveling to the Holy Lands. Yeah. The few women that had managed to travel in the past often ended up as cautionary tales, either as hostages who died in captivity um, or as hostages that got basically sold as sex slaves. Yeah, that's how it happens because um, men are gross. One supposedly became like the concubine of one of the major Islamic leaders. And I think she's rumored to be like the grandmother of... Maybe Saladin? I'm interested in that too. Okay. Yeah. There's okay. not much on it, unfortunately, okay. but that was one of the things I had read. Interesting. That would be a cool, like, like book. That would be. Like a fiction well, book. Well, there is another woman who was captured as a slave, who started as a concubine and became the most powerful woman in the Sultanate. Oh, yeah. yeah, I will cover her one day. Okay. It's just okay. it's gonna require a lot of That's research. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know, Rachel. You're on a roll lately, so. <laughs> now, some suggest that Louis was terrified at the notion of leaving Eleanor behind in France, fearing she would prove unfaithful and potentially even be whisked away by another handsome lover more her equal. Jesus, talk about low self-esteem, homie. <laughs> Others say that Louis simply adored his wife and was deeply attached to her and simply couldn't bear the thought of being parted from her for an extended period. Again, there's a third option. She's like, bro, you're gonna die. I'm going with you. <laughs> And there is a third option. They still need a male heir, and they can't bump uglies if they're on two separate continents. That is valid. <laughs> That's um, a fourth option, Rachel. That's the fourth option. 
And of course, there are those who believe that Eleanor simply wanted to go and her husband lacked the backbone to tell her she couldn't. I like that option. Yeah. I believe it more than any of the others. Maybe the bumping uglies is a close second. <laughs> yeah, I like to think Eleanor, because we know she was ambitious. I really like to think she was just like, no way you're going and getting glory for yourself. Behind. <laughs> like, I'm going to be a crusader warrior too. <laughs> you know who you married, babe. You know who you married. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> In the Burgundian city of Vézelay, outside of a shrine that contained the relics of Mary Magdalene, Bernard of Clairvoy gave his famous speech to rally France to support the king and queen on crusade. Are you about to tell me this speech? I already did. Oh, it was the, that okay, was the it wasn't the, it's not another speech. But as I had speech. said, it was okay. a rock show. Okay, okay so this is what happens. So after Clairvoy gave his fervent sermon, Eleanor and Louis emerged in white robes that had fabric crosses sent by the Pope in Rome stitched to them as an official declaration of commitment to the crusade. Were they red crosses, Rachel? Yep. Mm -hmm. Were they red? Yeah. yeah. That's where, where that image all the comes from. Are going to uselessly kill? Jesus yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> So um, more cloth crosses were passed around to the crowd as a call to arms. Please stop. They got souvenirs. <laughs> and like any good rock show of the medieval era, the crowd went wild. And after the fabric crosses ran out, Bernard of Clairvoy was said to have torn his own robes to create more crosses to be distributed among the crowd of would-be crusaders. would be wearing red amongst people. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it was just regular like white robes. And he was like, we'll make these into crosses. Here you go. Oh, God. <laughs> I got one of Bernard of Clairvaux's he crosses. Is, he is the Oprah Winfrey of this time. He's like, you get a cross yes. and you get a cross. Jesus. Here's where it gets fun. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not already fun, Rachel. It's about to get more fun. Oh, so. no. From here is where the legend of Eleanor of Aquitaine starts to really take off, as new stories would emerge decades and centuries later, ranging from the unlikely but reasonable to the outlandish and absurd. Oh, good. So in some of the stories, Eleanor rallied her ladies to dress themselves as Amazons and ride on white horses around the town of Vézelay to shore up support for the campaign. Yes. And then, of course, we have the other stories that boast of the licentious and wanton Eleanor of Aquitaine riding bare-breasted with her troops out. of Amazon women all the way to Damascus. I'm going to go with probably not, <laughs> just because of the no? woman that Eleanor you don't is think so? said to be... Yeah, I, I feel like feel if, like she wouldn't do that. I feel like if that actually happened, the men would like self-emulate. They would literally <laughs> combust, like yeah. spontaneous human combustion. Here it is. But this is <laughs> this is where that story comes from. I can imagine, like maybe, like I don't think Eleanor would do that herself, but like maybe the women with her, like they maybe had she'd be wine. like, "Go ahead, yeah, like, go ahead, wine. let's do it." But Eleanor's yeah. like, "I, I must not. I must be. Like, I, I must be the awesome head of this Emily. parade. Yeah, <laughs> barely." Yeah. <laughs> we can realistically assume that when the French forces eventually took to the road, many of the women decided to do the smart thing and don armor. Naturally, this scandalized many of the men who saw it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they can't even, they're so afraid of women that like they put armor on, they're like, we're done. We're dead. <laughs> One final note on this. So Eleanor was said to have committed herself to the crusade as the Duchess of Aquitaine specifically and not as the Queen of France. Interesting. This was because several of the barons and lords in attendance owed her fealty as their duchess rather than fealty to her husband, who some may not have even acknowledged as their king. Interesting. She's yeah. smart. Yep. She's a smart girl. 
Now, when the French army finally sets off for the Crusader lands, they had acquired approximately 100,000 soldiers, pilgrims, and women for I the just journey. I love that they haven't even left yet, and they already had their rock concert. <laughs> <laughs> it just continues. Can you imagine, like, after the rock concert, it's, like, the morning after, and everyone's, like, kind of, like, weirdly hung over, and they're just like, fuck, now we gotta travel? Like, we should have done this there, guys. Um, I oh, do have a... <laughs> I do have a map of, like the trail they took so they'll end up going to constantinople to like make their pit stop yeah sorry <laughs> and um one greek historian was kind enough to write a personal account of the women he saw within the french army as they approached the gates of constantinople the way you just said that makes me real interested to hear what you're about to tell me <laughs> let's go <laughs> Females were numbered among them, the fuck on. riding horseback in the manner of men, not on coverlets or side saddle, but unashamedly astride and bearing lances and weapons as men do. The audacity. Dressed in masculine garb, they, co- they conveyed a holy martial appearance, more mannish than the Amazons. <laughs> Every man <laughs> is shitting in their armor it's terrifying <laughs> seeing women they're like okay guys like they, we can't sitting like, with their legs straddled across the horse not have this happen like we need to be in charge sadly uh we get very little about eleanor um in the chronicles once they get to constantinople because constantinople was famously more traditional so she separated from the men and she has to like go hang out with the ladies <laughs> i bet you she didn't separate from the men she was like fuck that I'm going to be here. And she won this whole battle for them. And then they were like, okay, guys, we're going to all agree that she was not here. And it was me, Louis, who did everything. Now, after their pit stop in Constantinople, the Frankish and German armies were officially heading into territory that was decidedly more dangerous. Both forces decided to split up with the Frankish army taking the more prudent route to Antioch, which meant hugging the Mediterranean coast and avoiding skirmishes with the Seljuk Turks. It turns out the prudent path was the smart path because at one point the Frankish army came upon a wounded band of German soldiers lamenting that they had suffered a huge defeat against the Seljuk Turks. Much of what was left of the army was already scrambling back to Constantinople. That is problematic. Mm -hmm. It's only lost a full 20 minutes of recording. It's fine. Kat's going to pretend to not remember any of this. Yeah. (laughs) anyway so the german soldiers they run back to constantinople yep and at this point you would think this was the first sign that perhaps they were not as prepared for this crusade as they thought they were (laughs) so despite wanting to be like the men of the first crusade who already had battle experience before going off to the crusade uh these men didn't problematic they were young green boys just chasing glory yeah Chasing glory with blinders on. Yes. Yeah. You'd, <laughs> Not great. you'd made the really good connection of like the difference between the men of World War One and World War Two. Yeah, because the men of World War One were obviously like they'd been through hell in World War One. And so they knew battle, they knew what they were getting into, the reality of what they were getting into, not yeah. like glorified yeah. what they were getting into. So not the, the trauma that awaited. Yeah, not them. the trauma <laughs> that they were currently trying to suppress. Um so in World War II, the men who fought in World War One were called the old breed, and then the green boys who were either drafted and didn't want to be there, or who were there because they thought that they were gonna, you know, get glory and it yeah, be so much fun. Yeah, yeah, nah, <laughs> nah, yeah, nah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that's basically, that's what the second crusaders were. Yeah. Um, almost immediately after this, this is really when the Frankish army starts to just get <laughs> assaulted by a bunch of bad luck. Oh no. <laughs> so the first, uh, they basically endured like four days of nonstop rainfall. And this is where their several of their provisions, their tents, their horses, and their men get like washed away in a torrent of floodwaters. That's terrible. And then they get to a point where they basically have to climb a mountain. That is problematic. <laughs> Why is that problematic? <laughs> Just for reasons. <laughs> so this mountain oh was gosh. Mount Cadmus. And upon realizing that there's really no way to travel around the mountain and they're going to have to go over it, they split the army train into three parts. So the first part was the vanguard. And this consisted of the experienced nobles and soldiers of the troop. And they were basically there to scout along the way. The middle part of the army consisted of the baggage train, which included pack animals, camping equipment, food, and the unarmed pilgrims and women traveling with the army. And the rear guard was led by King Louis himself, along with 40 mounted knights. I made a joke that uh, <laughs> Eleanor of Aquitaine and the other one were probably in with the cattle animals because they're we women. men think about yes. women like cattle. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> but as we know, there are some people who like to say that she actually rode with the vanguard um, as a testament to her brave character. But as we're going to find out, there are other reasons that she is supposedly um, grouped up with the vanguard that aren't so great. So... Here we go. Uh, so as it turned out, the men in the vanguard got a little overzealous with how easily they managed to traverse the mountain. And they basically continued down the other side without waiting for the rest of the baggage train. They just got like too excited or like too over it. And they were like, let's just fucking go. Like yeah. they'll catch up. They were like, yo, this is, this is like, we're just climbing a hill here. Like, it's fine. We were fine. There weren't any Turks along the way. Like, Y'all will be good. We'll meet you at the bottom. Yeah. We'll set up camp. It'll be great. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, as it turned out... Uh, that is not what happened. That is not what happened. Okay. So the Turks were watching them the entire time. And they were basically just waiting for that vanguard to get far enough ahead of the baggage train in order to swoop in and raid it. Ooh. And it ends up devastating the Frankish army. So the few contemporary accounts that survive of this encounter tell of a harrowing tale of a storm of arrows falling upon the unsuspecting nobles and unarmed pilgrims who scrambled to get out of the way while also trying not to fall off the side of the mountain. Can you imagine just like hearing the, that like weird whistle of yeah. arrows and you're just like, well, fuck. And then you're you just like, look down and you're like, well, fuck. And then you're, you're like, like, we're done. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know which way to go. That's when you just brace for death at that point. <laughs> yeah. When word reached Louis of the attack, he raced up the mountain with his horse to chase off the Turkish raiders, but by then the damage had been done. Several horses, provisions, pilgrims, and soldiers either fell to an arrow, to swords, or to the side of the mountain itself. None of those are good deaths. No. That's all terrible. I'm sure some of them had like all three. Yeah, probably. <laughs> And Louis famously, um, like, rebuffed wearing kingly raiment for his armor. Because he didn't want to be a beacon for, <laughs> here's the head of the snake. <laughs> he, he was actually a very pious person. So he dressed up as a pilgrim. And it turns out it kind of saved his life. They didn't know who he was, so they didn't attack him. 
Um, but in the meantime, his bodyguards were identified and they had their skulls bashed in and their limbs severed. <laughs> Sorry. That's how Gemma feels about it. <laughs> you guys, I don't know if you heard it, but Gemma is like currently snoring because she's congested. At the end of the skirmish, 7,000 crusaders perished in the fight. Wow. And we're told that many people in the army blamed Eleanor for this tragedy. Of course they did, because she, women are always scapegoats. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, as it turned out, most of the men in the vanguard had been her vassals. Yeah. So that, that's where you get the stories of like, oh, Eleanor rode with the vanguard because those were her men. But it's also, yeah, a scapegoat. Yeah. I mean, they did abandon them, though. I mean, yeah. That part is on them. Yeah. But, but yeah. that's like that. Again, like, were those the battle-hardened ones, or were those the new green? Those were the, they had more experience. Yeah, that's why they were in the vanguard. Stay in the back? Yeah. 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 Well, there's just, like, I'm wondering if, like, they didn't notice that the rest of them were slower than they were. And, like, it really, by the time they figured it out, it was, like, it's too late. <laughs> the way, the way I wrote it in multiple sources is they were just, like, we had no issues getting up the mountain and we're safe like and they're they technically the scouting party so that makes yeah. sense but the the agreed upon point of meeting up was at the top of the mountain and they just kept going ouch yeah not great so from this point on um the army basically makes it to the coast and louis and eleanor both decide they're going to take a boat to the rest of the way to antioch <laughs> And the rest of the army, they can travel by like, foot. That's rude. The army's just like, we, we just got our asses kicked and you're just gonna like ditch us on a boat? That's rude. Eleanor is probably like, well, I am a woman and you say I'm slowing you down. So I'm just gonna take this boat. I don't think you can pick and choose when you want to be a woman. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what happens. And when Eleanor and Louis finally arrived in Antioch, they were greeted with the full splendor and hospitality that Antioch could give them. After months of traveling on the road and surviving the skirmish on Mount Cadmus, Eleanor was happy to at last land in a city that blended the architecture of the East with the custom and language of Southern France that had been brought over by her uncle, Raymond of Portier, the now Prince of Antioch. So I'm going to set the scene for you. Do it. Antioch is basically one of the wealthiest cities left over from the Roman era. It was a huge city surrounded by walls and situated atop a mesa overlooking a river. And although the palace of Antioch no longer survives to this day, we can kind of piece together what it looks like based on contemporary descriptions of neighboring palaces. So basically this palace, it's beautiful and ornate. It blends Eastern and Western architecture. So you've got Syrian and Greek architecture. You've probably got like the Muslim domes. And you've got marble everywhere. Yes. You've got a marble pool of water in the center. You've got huge walls that let in natural sunlight. Frescoes on the ceiling, probably of religious um, depictions. Yeah. And then the, the floor was said to basically be designed to look like the sandy beaches and the water of the Mediterranean. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so like lots of white and bright blues everywhere. I usually don't like white, but I'm here for the blue. Yeah. <laughs> I say is my entire house is white. <laughs> and Eleanor was said to like be truly in her element in well, yeah, Antioch. Yeah, this is like home for her. Yeah. Why did I say that home. so weird? home. <laughs> yeah, so she flourishes in the familiarity of a court that welcomed her wit and charm. 
rather and than appreciated it. Yeah. Rather yeah. than try to mute her. Yeah. Like everybody loved her in yeah. Antioch. Before setting out on the Crusader campaign, Louis and Eleanor's marriage was said to have been on rocky footing. By the time they reached Antioch, it seemed that their marriage had reached a new state of deterioration as the two famously no longer traveled together and spent less and less time in each other's company. Eleanor and Louis would only stay in Antioch for about a month, but it would change everything as Antioch would prove to be the death knell for their marriage. Yes. Yeah, because he can't see her flourishing. Wow. No, yeah, Ella, she can't be happy. Can't, like I love her, but you she can't, can't be, be loved happy. by anyone but me. <laughs> and here is where our story takes a swift turn from the indecent to the downright obscene and profane. I love how it wasn't that way before. <laughs> no, I changed it. <laughs> <sighs> oh, the listener doesn't know what we're talking about, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway, it may or may not be obscene, depending. On which story you believe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I was joking that it wasn't obscene or anything before. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've just changed the wording a little it's bit. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I snuck in on there. <laughs> so when Eleanor and Louis arrived in Antioch, Raymond's wife was famously absent. It's believed that Constance was in the final trimester of her pregnancy and cloistered it away. So um, for those who don't know... <laughs> Whenever women were pregnant, towards the end of their pregnancy, they basically had to remove themselves from public life because they were considered unclean. That's absolutely atrocious. And it's like, I just, <laughs> if I'm baking your child for nine months, bitch, baking. I'll go wherever the fuck I want and do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> so when Eleanor and Louis arrived, you know, beautiful, beautiful yeah. Eleanor of Aquitaine yeah, arrived. Excessively beautiful. Yes. The, the type of beauty that destroys nations. Yeah. Um, Raymond's wife is, you know, conveniently not there. Yeah, because she's having a child. (laughs) (laughs) So Eleanor had not seen her uncle since she was a teenager, but when they reconnected, it quickly became clear that they were developing a strong bond. The chroniclers of the time take care to observe that Eleanor and Raymond spent a lot of time alone together, and when they did appear in public, they often spoke their native tongue so that others could not understand what they were saying. They're literally niece and uncle. No shit they're going to spend all this time alone. <laughs> Plus, she's pissed off at her husband. <laughs> and what the chroniclers conveniently fail to mention is that when Raymond stole Antioch from a child, yeah. um, he brought with him his uh, his culture and his language so even though they say nobody understood them, it's very likely that at least the people in the court of Antioch understood them. Yeah. It was mostly the French that didn't understand Yeah, just because them. you guys didn't understand doesn't mean nobody understood. <laughs> you are conveniently the ones who were not supposed to understand. <laughs> so to make matters worse, of course, is that both Eleanor and Raymond were said to be exceptionally pretty. So we've already talked about Eleanor's beauty. Let's <laughs> talk about Raymond's. <laughs> So apparently Raymond was of similar stock and our old friend William. Yeah, because they're family. (laughs) Well, because they're French, but from like southern France too. So our old friend William of Tyr, he basically wrote that Raymond was handsome far beyond all the kings and princes of the world. Look, William had a crush. He can admit it. (laughs) He, I'm telling you, William, like he was all about the dudes which yes. is we that's totally fine we support it's amazing, that here but, but only when you admit it to yourself but and doesn't else. <laughs> mean all the pretty people are banging i mean they Sorry. could be you don't know they, you don't know rachel they, you know, they could have be having a pretty people orgy it doesn't matter that they're f- tied familially just, familially just 
I was about to say just as long as I can watch, but I don't want to watch oh, that. Rachel. It is familiar. <laughs> Familially? Famili- is that a word? I don't know. I know familial is Write a word. us and tell us. Yeah, guys. Someone <laughs> be our thesaurus. Slash dictionary. Slash whatever you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, when you put two beautiful people alone in a room together, sexy things are assumed to occur. Not when they are <laughs> uncle and niece and not Damon and Rhaenyra. <laughs> Well, what if they were Demon and Rhaenyra? Well, there's not enough evidence for me to believe that. We <laughs> need the dragons. <laughs> that is who I picture with these two. Yeah, now. that's, that's like, fair. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a nice picture because they are also both pretty. <laughs> anyway, so this is when we start to get the, the rumors of incest. And to this day, we don't know with any absolute certainty one way or the other if the rumors are true. But what we do know with absolute certainty is that many contemporaries who were there in Antioch believe the rumors of incest to be true. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, Jan. (laughs) Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. (laughs) Now, (laughs) one of the things Eleanor and Raymond bonded over, like, almost immediately was how much her husband sucked. That's a valid thing to have (laughs) familial ties over. (laughs) So... You know, and and this is the thing I want everybody to remember going forward. Like, Eleanor was already not happy with Louis before they set off on this crusade. And then they had that ambush at the mountain. They've been traveling in, like, the desert and rocky terrain. And it's uncomfortable. And and everyone blamed Eleanor for the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. So... At this point, like, she's just over Louis. She's mm-hmm. just like, you're a colossal fuck up. I and literally don't like you. I'm done and I hate you. Every fiber of my being. <laughs> but anyway, so keep that in mind. But beyond that, what we do know is that when the French army set off for the Holy Land, it was driven by the motivation to reclaim the fallen Edessa for Christian forces. But in the time it took to travel there, Edessa had been nearly retaken by Crusader forces only to be lost a second time and even more brutally than the first. Maybe read the signs and just <laughs> imagine that it's not yours. <laughs> just just let it go. Yeah. Just let it go. Let it go. There's a song for that if you need someone else to sing it. Let it go. Rachel will sing it. Let it go. <laughs> you should let it go. Yeah. But only like when you're ready. Yeah, yeah. And I guess they weren't ready. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Like, what are we talking about again? A death or a therapy? <laughs> uh, all the things. <laughs> so, you know, after Odessa is lost a second time, Raymond tells Louis that retaking Odessa at this point is kind of a lost cause. And he hoped to persuade Louis instead to join forces with his army and march on the city of Aleppo. Aleppo was the Islamic-held city by the son of Zengi, Nurad bin, and it was a bigger threat to the principality of Antioch due to its proximity. So at this point, Antioch is the frontier of the Crusader states. And he's like, listen, we got to reinforce our borders before we can even think of branching out again. Listen, we got to think strategically instead of fanatically. What is this strategy thing you speak Uh, of, It's the important things (laughs) in battle. (laughs) The whole point here was that if the Crusader forces managed to snag Aleppo from the hands of Muslim forces, then the northern borders of the Crusader states would be more secure. Aleppo would also be a much better launching pad if the Crusaders had any hope of retaking Edessa. Now, Louis famously denounced the plan, um, and he instead decides, you know, I I have this pledge where I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I have to kneel at, like, the site that Jesus Christ was born. I need to go do that first before I can even think about 
Nobody cares. Sending my need to do military personally. anywhere. Nobody cares. <laughs> I'm sure he was also like, ew, Raymond made this plan, yes. so I'm immediately going to say no. Yeah. And of course, because Louis rejected him, Raymond was outraged. Oh my god. So you just have this big duck measuring pissing contest yeah. between these yeah. two. Yeah, and Eleanor is just like princes. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> now, following Raymond's famous temper tantrum is when the infamy that rocked Europe was said to have occurred. Again, no one knows with any certainty one way or another if Eleanor entered into a sexual relationship with her uncle. But there are several hints of it from the chroniclers of the period. Because, you know, chroniclers can't lie. It's like the (laughs) internet. (laughs) No, of course not. Like, if a man wrote it, it's got to be true cat. Yeah, yeah, Totally. (laughs) Totally. So, William of Tyr, he goes on to write the following. I feel like William of Tyr is also just, like, superbly jealous that even rumors are happening that Eleanor is sleeping with his man. I I, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, most of this is on Eleanor, not necessarily Raymond. So... You can't speak poorly about Raymond. He's beautiful. Here we go. (laughs) When Raymond found that he could not induce the king to join him, his attitude changed. That word is just so weird. I (laughs) I just can't. Frustrated in his ambitious designs, he began to hate the king's ways. He openly plotted against him and took means to do him injury. He resolved also to deprive him of his wife, either by force (laughs) or by secret intrigue. The queen readily assented to this design, for she was a foolish woman. Her conduct before and after this time showed her to be, as we have said, far from circumspect. Contrary to her royal dignity, she disregarded her marriage vows and was unfaithful to her husband. I just can't deal with that whole thing. (laughs) Like, why? What's wrong with that? Oh, everything. (laughs) Listen, we know her to be a foolish woman. Is she, though? I mean, she's not (laughs) foolish if she leads you guys into success time and time again, even though you lie. She is a woman (laughs) who has an opinion of her own, and she dares to speak in a room full of men. So she's clearly foolish. (laughs) Clearly foolish and clearly sleeping with her uncle. Yes. Clearly. That's how it works, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just can't. It's just, it's ridiculous. Now, John Salisbury spins a tale fueled by jealousy and paranoia. According to Salisbury, Louis was starting to notice that his wife and Raymond were having consistent conversations with one another. Not conversations! (laughs) And we all know, men and women can't just chat idly because what would they even talk about, Kat? Stuff and things, (laughs) familial things, because they're fucking uncle and niece, but hey. Clearly. They're banging. Clearly, the the beautiful people (laughs) cannot just talk. They must bang. Always. It's a rule now. So according to Salisbury, it was this growing paranoia that inspired Louis to leave Antioch for Jerusalem. The only problem was that Eleanor didn't want to leave, and she declared loudly and publicly that she wished to stay behind in Antioch. And worse yet, she wanted a divorce. She's like, your plan is fucking stupid. His plan sounds great. And And you're a monk. And... You're more You're monk, goddamn boring. Like, I can't even hold a conversation and, with you. Like, worst of all, you are just stupid. And I just feel like she's like, I can't even hold a conversation with you without you coming. It's really fucking weird. That's why he <laughs> thinks everyone who has a conversation ha- is having sex. That's why. Fair. That's why. That's fair. Yeah. Louis the monk who comes you know what? In, in conversations. <laughs> and Eleanor is legitimately, like, incredibly intelligent. You just know she's probably, like... Like, if I'm going to look at her natal chart, I can't because we don't know what time she was born or even what year. (laughs) But she's probably got, like, 
her Venus in an air sign. So it's probably like Libra or Gemini in that like in order to attract her, you have to have a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be a good conversationalist (laughs) or she gets bored. And just because her uncle has the intelligence does not mean she's entering into a sexual relationship with said uncle. Are you possible? I also, are you possible? Positive? Yes. Uh, I also kind of like want to believe that she's, fueling the the flames of this rumor mill just because she's like i love that this makes him look like the most ridiculous cuckold in the world yeah so like i'm here for it i'm not gonna deny it and (laughs) yeah like that was probably (laughs) my favorite thing about eleanor of aquitaine you could tell that like she probably was like actually you don't even have half the story correct like let me describe it to you in detail yeah yeah, hold on (laughs) let me just get you my journal and i'll just read you my journal you left out the lube you left out all the sex all the fun stuff (laughs) all the good stuff Oh man. Such Meanwhile, a... Raymond's just like, can you not bring me into this? Please? Such a wanton lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a wanton crazy lady. <laughs> so this is what Salisbury wrote. Um, oh, he's still going? Event. He's still going. <laughs> okay. So he says, and when the king made haste to tear her away, she mentioned their kinship, saying it was not lawful for them to remain together as man and wife, since they were related in the fourth and fifth degrees. <laughs> At this the king was deeply moved, for he loved the queen almost beyond reason. She's like, I'm fucking my uncle, but I'm not going to stay married to you. Because we're too closely related yeah. as cousins. It's just too weird for me. Yeah, that's, I draw the line at cousins. It's just too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line oh, at cousin. No. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Louis just like, the f- you can't, what? <laughs> Even Raymond's probably just like, Eleanor. He's like, Eleanor, can you fucking not? <laughs> Salisbury concludes his soap of a tale by telling us (laughs) that one of the king's secretaries reminded him that he would be the laughingstock of Europe if word got out that the king of Franks was abandoned by his wife while on the crusade. Cute that you use would be. Would be the laughingstock. As if he wasn't already. Raymond's like, dude, (laughs) you already are. And I didn't even do shit to do it. Now, every other chronicler of the period refers to events of a scandalous nature that occurred in Antioch but they were of such a terrible nature that they refused to name it. Gasps in French. <laughs> like, what the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> They're like, there was such a scandalous and we cannot depraved talk event it. that happened that we all know what it was, but we cannot speak it. Lenore's like, go ahead, They're monk. clutching their Go ahead, monk. Curls. Say it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pearls? She's like, They're clutching pearls? their pearls. Not their girls. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk today. Different. They're different probably also anatomy. clutching their curls. They're probably clutching their boobs. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Listen, again, all we know with any absolute certainty is that Raymond proposed that Louis join forces with him and help him take Aleppo. And In then the threw, smart move. Yeah. And then threw a temper tantrum when Louis refused yeah. him. And we also know that Eleanor was incredibly unhappy and miserable. You have to imagine, though, like, can you just just take a second to think about how miserable it would be working for Louis. Like, you're smarter than him in every way. You're obviously yes. clearly more beautiful than him. And you have to listen to him because he's like terrible decisions and like anointed by yeah. God. Yeah, and you're just like, can you just imagine, just like for a second, how fed up you have to be to be like, I'm fucking done, and then you just like sweep everything off the table. <laughs> yes, with Eleanor. <laughs> yeah, and then put Eleanor on the table, and then proceed to yeah, exactly. bang her on the table. Exactly. Like, That's totally this, what happened. This is the French soap opera we all need. That is totally like why ha- why haven't we gotten a TV show of this? Right? Like I'm because we haven't very made it. So it was in the works from stars and then COVID happened. Son of a bitch. I know. But we got Catherine and Medici before. We did. After COVID. 
and we got the beginning of Elizabeth, but oh. I want Eleanor of Aquitaine Same. in Antioch Same. on the table with her uncle. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Stars would do that too. <laughs> Stars would do that. I mean, Stars would freaking double down on this relationship. I mean, they gave us that with um, Elizabeth of York and Richard III, who was her uncle. They did. Yeah. They would totally And that was it. a real. <laughs> Actually, he did try to marry her. I know he did try to marry her, but she was not. We don't know. We weren't there. I know. I've talked to Elizabeth. According <laughs> to the white princess. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh, gosh. Now, if you want to give Eleanor and Raymond any benefit of the doubt, um, as some chroniclers attempt to do, we can assume that Raymond observed that his niece was unhappy in her marriage and her temperament was mismatched with Louis's piety. And fueled by his own frustrations with Louis's choice of inaction, Raymond decided to lend his niece a hand in securing her divorce. And if Eleanor was truly determined to get that divorce, it made little sense for her to continue with Louis to Jerusalem. There's literally no sense to be had in anyone except for Louis going to Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing as how Eleanor is still just a woman in our story Ugh. of this, the Middle Ages, her wants were disregarded in the end. Naturally. And Louis decided to abscond in the middle of the night with <laughs> Eleanor, dragging her out of the city by force, kicking and screaming. You cannot do that, but sir. He did that. You cannot he do that. that. You can't. Like, Eleanor's gonna kill you in your sleep. All of these events <laughs> I just spoke of in Antioch, it only occurred in the span of a month. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. Isn't that crazy? Wow. <laughs> can't get her birth date or year, but we can get her, her one, one month drama. Her one month scandal. Yeah. In, your, in, uh, in the Holy Land. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. So when Eleanor and Louis initially turned up in Jerusalem, it appeared that nothing was amiss between the royal couple. They led a procession of the Frankish army through the streets of Jerusalem, where throngs of people lined the street to greet and wave at the army as it passed. Queen Melisande, the formidable matriarch and queen regnant of Jerusalem, turned up to greet the royal couple as well. Hymns and chants served as the musical score to their procession, which ended at the Church of Holy Sepulchre, Sepulchre. Sepulchre. Yeah, I can't freaking do that word. It's okay. You need to change it. To just you can just say of, the church with the boobs. The church with the boobs. The church yes. with the boobs. <laughs> and like the dutiful Christian king and queen that they were, they stopped at the tomb of Jesus Christ, where they prayed and displayed their piety and displayed their piety in all its grandeur. But it was clear that all was not well with the couple. The scandal might it be because Louis absconded with his wife in the middle he of the night? He literally kidnapped her. Like <laughs> he probably threw like a sack over her head, yeah. and then he like, didn't because he doesn't do his own that's dirty fair. work. He that's fair. Else he it. had one of his men do it. Yeah, he's like, "I'm doing this for your own good, Eleanor. I'm doing this for you. I love you, honey." And she's like, "I will fucking kill you." <laughs> Unfortunately, the scandal of Antioch followed Eleanor to Jerusalem, and by now she had fallen into disgrace because she was not present at any of the council meetings that occurred in Acre to discuss the Crusaders' next she's tactics. Like, this is literally all of your stories, not mine. <laughs> so basically, thanks to William of Tyr, we have a list of all the names of the people who attended, and it was anyone that had any major land claims um, and a voice in Europe was there. So you had everyone from King Louis of France, you had Raymond of Antioch, you had Queen Melisande and her queen, teen, her queen, her teenage son and co-king Baldwin III. Um, but Eleanor is not listed. Wait, so Raymond's there? Raymond is there. 
Wow. Everybody is there but Eleanor. Raymond's just like, hey, Louie, where's your goddamn wife? <laughs> Louie's like, you can't talk to her. <laughs> so the Crusaders basically had um, two battle plans to kind of debate and decide which one they wanted to go with. So, of course, the first was put forth by Raymond. Who so wished- that was immediately n- a no for Louie. <laughs> Yeah, Louis interrupting him the whole time. Yeah, like me, interrupting you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You are Louis and I am Raymond. Whoa, that's rude. How dare you? So Raymond no. wished to march on Aleppo. <laughs> Again, reminding everyone from here they can launch an attack on Odessa and take it back. Louis and Baldwin III, however, championed instead to attack Damascus and abandon Odessa entirely. Literally, like... The two most, like, ridiculous people in the room are agreeing. You should all be like, no. Exactly. Immediately, no. Yeah. We're not doing Straight this. to jail. Both of yeah. you. Do not Baldwin pass agrees. go. Do not pass 200 <laughs> or collect $200. <laughs> so here's the thing about Damascus. Damascus is the more lucrative prize. Um, it's basically, like, there is no capital of the the Muslim territories in this area. But if there was, it would be damascus okay um and it's also it's closer to jerusalem but the flip side of that is that it's better defended and thus more difficult to take and we're told that during the council meeting it was melisande who counseled against marching on damascus um because again it's close to jerusalem but they actually have a decent trade relationship it's one of the few Muslim cities that's actually like neutral with the yeah, Christian so maybe don't piss them off. States. Yeah. Maybe don't piss them off. It might be a good idea. Just, I love how all the women in the room are like, well, the one woman in the room is like, <laughs> no, and it happens to be the right idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing um, that we kind of have to keep in mind if, if you listen to the last episodes on Melisande, at this point, she's been running Jerusalem for over 15 years. So she like knows what she's doing? She does. She's she's probably one of the most senior voices on this council. She's also been ruling the area that's in the closest proximity to all of these cities that they're yeah. talking about. So she also yeah. built the church with the boobs. She did. So <laughs> you're welcome. She renovated the church. The Sorry. <laughs> she made it better by giving Correction. you boobs. <laughs> But yeah, um, but predictably, the council disregarded her voice and her experience. Of course. How did that turn out for them, Rachel? Oh, well, I'm I'm about to tell you. Oh, I'm so excited to just, hear how it feels. Just wanted so to excited. mention one more thing. Um, the fact that Eleanor isn't here might have also been a strategic thing for Louis because Eleanor would have for sure championed yeah. Raymond's plan and sided with Melisande. Yeah, I don't know that it was strategic so much as it was just like, convenient mr cuckold doesn't want to be cuckolded in front of this entire room so he's like let's leave eleanor sleeping in her room <laughs> you know she's just like pounding on the door the now, locked door <laughs> now predictably the crusader states they do fail in this endeavor and their army is humiliated and the working relationship between jerusalem and damascus was forever damaged what remained of the frankish army returned home with their tail tucked between their legs <laughs> and melisande's just like what did i say Oh, she's shaking her head. What did I fucking say? She's just like, this is why my son can't rule, but that's another story for another time. Yeah, we've already told it. At this this point, the Second Crusade turns out to be a complete and total failure. Well, when you put dumb people in charge. Yeah. (laughs) What a concept. I know. Weird how that works. Now, it seems that Eleanor's treatment during the council and the subsequent failure of the Second Crusade turned out to be the final nail in the coffin of her marriage with Louis. 
Maybe you should add in the kidnapping too. I don't know. I just feel like that plays a part in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would imagine that's just like the bow on the package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, like, I think that you know was the nail and then everything else she's just like, now I will bury you <laughs> with my anger. She's like, I would have been content to just divorce you, but now I'm going to make it my life's mission to turn my sons I'm against you. I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to plot your demise, your children's demise, and yeah. your grandchildren's yeah. demise. This will be so much fun. I'm going to spread my eagle wings and destroy yes. your empire, <laughs> which is also mine. So this might be weird. <laughs> Not like my empire, but definitely yeah, yours. Yeah, but definitely like anything with your name on it. <laughs> I no, can just imagine. I'm sorry. I can just imagine Eleanor being that petty. Like, oh, for sure. Like, we know she was. Yeah, but like, I we can imagine she her was just like <laughs> intentionally, just like we're done. <laughs> As we know, Eleanor was not the sort of woman to bite her tongue and be set aside so carelessly. When the king and queen of France made their journey to, back to Europe, they did so separately and took two different ships. <laughs> she's like, no. He tries to get on the ship. She's like, uh-uh, no. You're not coming on the ship. I will freaking end your life. <laughs> I ordered a ship for you. It's that... It's that little dingy over that there. <laughs> dingy ship over there. It's yeah. got only two crew It's numbers. like the, the pirate ship that Jack Sparrow like, his, yes. makes his entrance on. <laughs> well, unfortunately for Eleanor. Damn it! <laughs> Louis shit found favorable winds, so he gets back to the other side um, of the Mediterranean pretty quickly. But Eleanor's ship was not so lucky. She was like, what the fuck have I done? I need karma what to come here karma? immediately, and we need to discuss this. <laughs> we need to have a discussion, karma. <laughs> it was said that during the entire journey, her ship was harassed by Byzantine ships. And at one point, word on Eleanor's whereabouts went completely silent, and people began to worry that she actually died at sea. Oh, jeez. I can imagine them going after her ship instead of his ship because he's not worth anything, but she's worth a yeah. lot. Plus, they're like, you seem like, you'd, sure. be fun. You seem like you'd be fun you to do. hang out with. You, I, I feel I've like... heard about you and your uncle. Listen, <laughs> I, I know the kidnapping thing like probably wasn't the best way to do this, but I honestly just but wanted to have like dinner I just and really wanted to meet with you and have a, a movie. glass of wine with you. Yeah, like Antioch wine. <laughs> As it so happened, her ship was confiscated by Byzantine forces, and she was detained for some time before she was allowed to continue her journey back to France. Oh, no. <laughs> When she finally made landfall on the European continent, Eleanor was greeted with tragic news. Oh, no. Her uncle Raymond had fallen in battle to Nur ad-Din's forces, and he was treated to the most gruesome of warriors' oh, deaths. Oh, no. So suffering the same fate as some of the... Some of the... <laughs> Are you going with the French? <laughs> the French... Some of the... Some of the... <laughs> of the some of the previous <laughs> unlucky crusader princes before him... Raymond was decapitated, and his head, along with his sword arm, were both sent to the Caliph of Baghdad as a trophy. Just like in what world is like a, a head, like a rotting head, something you're like, yeah. I believe this was something the Persian Empire did a lot, yeah. where they like displayed the heads just, as trophies. Humans are gross. They are humans gross. Humans are pretty gross. I would agree with you there. Pretty disgusting. <laughs> Following the Battle of Enab, the Principality of Antioch was pillaged and reduced significantly in size. So, so that's like a double whammy for her. Yeah. Yes. Sorry if you were just about to say that. <laughs> it it's okay. It was indeed a double whammy. So again, we can really only imagine what Eleanor's grief and rage must have looked like. Because not only has she lost her beloved uncle... But it had been Louis and Baldwin III's plan to march on Damascus that eventually led Raymond down the road 
that would see his end at the Battle of Enom. Yeah, she's still not divorced from Louis. No. So she's like, ooh. <laughs> Eleanor was livid, and rather than meet her husband in France, she decides to take a detour and go straight to Rome with the intent to rid herself of her useless husband once and for all. She's like, if you want him to live, I strongly <laughs> suggest you give me this divorce, because if you don't, by God and all of his horses, I will kill him. And it, it will not be poison. No, no, no. It will be slow and torturous. It will be me straddling him in the middle of the night and yeah. sawing his head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to dip it in tar yeah. and display it in yeah. my throne room. And put the spork in his nasal cavity. <laughs> um, she does eventually get an annulment from Louis, but this doesn't happen for a couple more years. Of course not. Because before They're that. like, look, let's try to work it out. Let's try to work it out. She's like, have you seen me working it because I have been doing that. <laughs> I'm really just picturing her straddling him and sawing her. I know it's kind of it's kind of dark, kind of fun. <laughs> but anyway, super so, violent, super bloody. You were here for it. <laughs> before that can occur, for whatever reason, Louis he hears of what she's trying to do and he still wants to keep her. Some people have rose-colored glasses on and live their <laughs> he, entire lives just, with those he's glasses. Just on. like this is the same dude who was like, I got all these people burned alive in a church. He's so just the attached. way I'm going to make it better is I'm gonna destroy an entire road of people to get to where I need to be to pray in <laughs> including Jerusalem. my own. Including my own. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like very unhealthily attached to her. So yeah. I mean who wouldn't be, but come on. He gets he gets to Rome. He pleads his case with the Pope, and because he's a man, the Pope sides with him. Oh, I really wanted the Pope to be like, for your own safety, I'm going to put you in the the um he does the witch sect program. He, we have one of those. <laughs> he does the opposite. Oh God. He forces Eleanor into a humiliating reconciliation oh, with her husband, yeah. and forbids her and anyone else of speaking of the four. Or five times remove relation between the two of them. She's like, oh my god, this is it. It gets worse. <laughs> this is God telling me worse. I must destroy him with a spork. <laughs> it gets worse. Stop it. Stop it. The Pope also was said to have forced them to sleep in the same bed while they were in Rome and even supervised the act to ensure that they were sleeping together. No, they supervised night. the act to ensure that the spork didn't come out and uh, Eleanor didn't straddle her husband <laughs> the for nefarious like, reasons. Listen, okay? <laughs> I'm she grabbed a favor. butter knife. I know that normally does not cut through skin and bone, but this, but is, this Eleanor. is Eleanor. This is Eleanor. This is Eleanor. She oh. scares me. <laughs> she scares me, but also I kind of like to But watch. I'm also here for it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Lots. Lots of trauma. <laughs> I feel like the people who made Spartacus need to make her show so it can be like yes. extra bloody and like yeah. extra sexy and yeah. extra just extra, extra ridiculous. <laughs> extra extra. Yeah. Extra yeah, yeah. extra. Read all about it. <laughs> oh man. So the marriage between Eleanor and Louis grew colder with each week. What? Month and year that passed. I can't imagine why. <laughs> So two years following the crusade, Eleanor manages to produce another child with Louis. I don't know how he managed to convince her. She's like, get the turkey baster. <laughs> yes. But this child is another oh daughter. And because the child was a girl and France needed a male heir, Eleanor was finally granted her request. Eleanor's for an like, annulment. look, it's a girl. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> she probably like changelinged the child out. She's like, yes, a boy, get rid of it. <laughs> She has, like, Louis's not allowed in the room, and she has the boy, and she's like, oh, my God, no. Yeah, and, 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 and like, a nursemaid who, yes. like, just so happened to have yes. a baby at the same time. She's like, you want to switch? They trade it, yeah. <laughs> I'll take the king. <laughs> the future king. 
but she finally gets um her her annulment. It's finally granted. Finally, she's All only time. she's only twenty eight years old. I can't even believe. <laughs> like, what the hell? Isn't that insane? That's ridiculous. That is crazy. She's like, I can't. I I I'm eighty years old. <laughs> Just in my twenty eight years. Like, I don't know who did this to me and why, but I'm done. Like, she I don't need to an live anymore. Entire episode of our podcast yeah. before the age before of the age of twenty eight, guys. Oh man, I didn't do shit. But <laughs> this is where we will officially conclude our story of Eleanor of Aquitaine and her involvement in the Crusades. Hell yeah! As we've mentioned, we've only covered about a third of her life in this episode. Um, the infamy and scandal of Eleanor of Aquitaine will continue well into the latter portion of her life. Following her annulment to Louis, she immediately moves on to the future king of England, Henry Plantagenet. She's like, hi. <laughs> She's like, hey, you're kind of sexy. You remind me of this uncle I once had. <laughs> yes. You look a lot like, it, oh, hold on, stand in this certain, yes. There it is. That light right there. <laughs> Raymond, I mean, Henry. <laughs> Sorry, I get the names wrong all the time. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> and she'll prove, by medieval standards anyway, that the fault of providing a male heir to Louis was never hers. No shit. Because she'll go on to give Henry ten children, two of whom will go on to become kings of England. Hell yeah. During her tenure as Queen of England, Eleanor would prove to be ever the controversial and scandalous figure on the world stage as she had in the Crusades. I feel like. She's just like, every time she has a child, she's just writing up a postcard. Yes. <laughs> yes. Still right. your fault. It's a boy. Still, Still your, your fault. Issue. <laughs> I- I'm trying to think. I think he does end up having like one son, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> she's just like, oh, somebody hey, get me my quill. Hey, you Louis, just had your, you Louis, just had your child. It's another, <laughs> it's another postcard from Eleanor and it just like, it opens and it's like. Confetti. Yes. Confetti. Blue confetti. Blue confetti because confetti. obviously. <laughs> And he's just like, (sighs) Eleanor will go on to inspire her sons to rebel against their father and try to usurp the throne of England from him. She's like, do you, do you see what I had to deal with for 28 years? I'm going for all that is me and all that is mine. I, I'm over all the men in this universe. That's fair. They all suck. They do. (laughs) Except for Richard. Yeah. My beloved Richard. You mean Raymond? No, Richard. Oh no, her her son, son. Richard. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was like, wait, Rachel. (laughs) She 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 probably calls him Raymond too. She's like she's right, yeah. Raymond. I mean Richard. Shit. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't name him Raymond. <laughs> I'm surprised too. Raymond the second ish. <laughs> she also gets thrown into prison for 16 years as a consequence of trying to usurp the throne from her husband. Yeah, she just doesn't have very good luck. No. Are you sure you're not Irish? Like, are you sure you don't have the luck I, of okay, a potato so famine like, Irish? Because that's what this is. <laughs> so like. If she didn't have any luck, she would have had her head chopped off. I feel like she, that's lucky sometimes, though. Like, she, with the shit she's had to go through. she outlives her husband. That's true. And then she gets to see her son, Richard the Lionheart, become king. And then as she's queen true. mother, he ends up, like, going on crusade. Because he hears all her stories. Yeah. And he leaves her as the region of England. So she kind of, she does. She gets that happy. Yeah. She lives to, like, the ripe old age of 80. This is true. Eleanor of Aquitaine, like... Look, she was 80 for, since 28. Like, <laughs> there. <laughs> She's like, listen, I'm an old soul. <laughs> I'm an old soul. <laughs> Gone through enough shit. <laughs> if you want to hear the rest of Eleanor's story, you can go back to episode three of Difficult Dancers. <laughs> We're so sorry. But, um, <laughs> if, if you 
enjoyed this episode kind of just breaking out her story into the the first third of her life and you would like me to go into more detail on the the second part that i just talked let about let us know yeah let us know um you know maybe in the future we'll revisit some of our earliest damsels Hell yeah. maybe we'll see that'd be, that'd be a lot <laughs> I, was just, I don't know yeah. Yeah. i might do bathory again maybe one yeah. day we'll see I have so many things I want to do. (laughs) So many things. But anyway, there you go. That's Eleanor of Aquitaine, the Crusader era. I was pleasantly surprised by us covering her. Yeah, good. Yeah, I did not know that we were going to switch tactics and go back and our rewind time machines. Well, we are going to finally do. I'll just say it now. Alice is next. Yes! And she's a headache for everybody, and I love her. I already love her (laughs) just from that description. (laughs) So many women in this period who were headaches, which of course means we love them. All it means (laughs) is that they just are trying to get what's theirs. Exactly. Yeah, but you know. Ew. But then the men come in. But then the men ruin like, everything. You were too pretty, and you were talking to that man in a quarter. A quarter? What? A corner. So clearly you're having sex. Clearly. Which means you're bad, and you're not yeah. a good. You're not a good woman, or queen, or wife, or whatever oh, you are. God, I would immediately be destroyed in this time frame. They like wouldn't even let me be born. They're like, oh, we just feel the bad juice coming out of that. Like, no. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe oh. you would be one of Eleanor's ladies, and you would thrive. That would be fun. I would egg her on so much be like girl you should totally do that (laughs) so I know like you didn't sleep with your uncle but but like did you but like have you seen him yeah like I'll sleep with him he's kind of hot like if you did I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything I'm here for it like Like, it's weird I shouldn't be but I'm suddenly just like really into this he looks kind of like Matt Smith yeah yeah. (laughs) yes yes just get your like special headdress and like cut your lip and it'll be beautiful it'll be great uh, <laughs> oh my gosh my sources for today's episode were again queens of jerusalem the women who dared to rule by katherine Pinjonis. amazing book go oh, out yeah. and get it um again thank you katherine if you ever hear this because your book yeah. is amazing and yeah Lots um, of source material. <laughs> lots of source material. I also use the Wikipedias. Wikipedias. Donate. And, yes, donate to them. And DefenderOfJerusalem.com had an article called Eleanor of Aquitaine and the Second Crusade. Hell yeah. Um, if you would like to support our podcast, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We also have a link at the end of the show notes. If you would like to donate to our podcast, you can do a dollar a month. $5 a month or $10 a month. If you have the extra quinnage in your in pocket, the extra quinnage would be much but appreciated. If anything, just keep coming back and listening. Yes, Even please. when we fail to release an episode because <laughs> this episode has been a shit show to record this guys. This episode has been, um, it's a, a labor of love. Love is yeah. Thor, if you were chewing on a toy, I'm going to murder you. Um, most <laughs> of our, the toys aren't, yeah, I guess they are chewable. Anyway, no, just cause they're chewable. Doesn't mean he <laughs> should be chewing up um yeah so we you guys um i can't tell you how many times we've actually recorded this episode and you guys just get to hear one version especially the last part so if this was a little choppy that's because a lot of the stuff in antioch we completely lost after recording and losing it already three times to be yeah yeah and then we were like cool we're awesome we're great it's recorded look there's the 17 18 minutes it's gonna be great and then i went to record (gasps) i was like hey excuse me no no get over here that's how it felt that's how it felt yeah 
But no, it was it was terrible, guys, because I went to go record it, and then I was like, there are no bars. There are no sound bars, Thor. Don't do it. <laughs> so yeah, it was just a yeah. lot of blood, sweat, and tears this week, yeah. and we wanted to make sure we got it out to you guys. But lucky you guys, you're going to get another episode in just one week. Yeah, so. yeah, because we're sticking to the schedule. We're going to s- stick to the schedule, so you yeah. guys lucked out. So, Jersey, you're hearing this now. Happy birthday a week e- later. Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to be a day late. Now it's a week late. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, but we know how much you love your favorite wanton lady. Yes. So. <laughs> we or wanton, as I used to yeah, always wanton. say. Wanton. Apparently... I don't think you always said it. I just know that there's been a few times where you said wanton. And I like, for I've some said reason. it the whole time and you never told me. <laughs> it's fine. I'm like, that's a big deal, Cat. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> I'm just going to say wanton. Somebody go no back and what. listen to all of our episodes and tell me how many times Rachel said it so I can be like, she didn't say it all the time. <laughs> I really think I just said it in that episode because he. Yeah, I feel like I heard you say. Sorry, my voice got very shrill right there, and I apologize (laughs) to anyone who has headphones on. But like, I feel like you've said it. It was that episode. Yeah, and then it just like no, I've never said it normal. You like corrected me, and you're like it's wanton, and I was like, oh my god, what? I don't. I I can't. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway, words are hard, and somehow we manage a podcast. So there you go. Words are hard, and yet we do a podcast. Stay difficult, but not as difficult as the recording. Yeah, do not be as difficult as this recording because we will immediately disown you. (laughs) We'll just like unsubscribe from this planet. Yeah, yeah, we'll just cry a lot. But, but yeah. we hope you guys enjoy this episode because it yeah. took a lot to get to you. Stay, def- stay, stay difficult. Stay difficult. And stay difficult. In one week, you'll get Alice. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Woo-hoo.